Welcome to the Recovering Nice Guy Podcast. This is the place for nice guys who are ready to kick the habit of people-pleasing and ditch those self-sabotaging behaviors for good. Now, here's your host, me, Chuck Chapman. If you're a nice guy, you're probably afraid of your own shadow. And I'm not talking about punk Satani Phil on February 2nd kind of fear. Instead, I'm talking about the nice guys. We're often full of fear and anxiety. And as a result, we let that fear and anxiety drive us into being nicer and nicer. Now, unfortunately, what happens is the nicer we are, the more fear and anxiety we tend to have. Now, why is this? Again, I believe it's because nice guys are afraid of their own shadow. And what is our shadow? Well, it's the aspects of ourselves that we deem to be unlovable and unacceptable by others. See, nice guys, we tend to conceal and ignore anything that we think other people are going to reject because we're terrified of rejection. Now, shadow also, I'm referring to a concept that was introduced by psychotherapist Carl Jung, which represents the darker parts of our psyche. This notion of the shadow is echoed across various ancient cultures, philosophies, theologies, psychology, and it embodies the part of us that's capable of causing harm, destruction, pain, and it represents that primal instinct that we all have. It's the Mr. Hyde to our Dr. Jekyll. It's the yin to our yang. It's the tension between the id and the superego. It's our natural selves and our spiritual selves. It's the untamed essence of who we are. So today I'm going to talk about the shadow. And before I go on, I want to ask you to take a quick second, like this video, and if you're not already a subscriber, hit that button. I truly appreciate it. Now, there's a story that encapsulates the struggle between our shadow self and our light self, and you might even be familiar with it. It's the tale of the two wolves, and it's about an elder chief and his grandson. And the story goes something like this, that the elder is speaking to his grandson, and he says, within me, there's a battle between two wolves, a white wolf and a dark wolf. Now, one wolf, the dark wolf, he embodies negativity, anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, feelings of inferiority, deceit, false pride, a sense of superiority, and ego. And then he looks at his grandson and he continues and he said, there's another wolf, the white wolf, and it represents the positive side of my emotions, the joy, the peace, the love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence." empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and even faith. And he says, there's a fierce battle going on between these two wolves, and it's a struggle to the end. And the battle occurs in you, and it occurs in every person as well. So the grandson, after a moment of thinking about that, he looks up at his grandfather and he says, which one wins? Now, there are actually two renditions to the answer of this story. And honestly, I couldn't find any evidence that either one is the original teaching or that this is even ancient wisdom. But I think it's a good story. And it, like I said, it encapsulates the shadow part of ourselves. Now, the first rendition of this story, the elder responds simply with, the one who wins is the one you feed. Now, this narrative was actually popularized by Billy Graham, the televangelist. And it was used in his sermons as a way to sort of convert people to his brand of Christianity. Now, it sparked some debate over the actual accuracy of what some say are the original Cherokee wisdom. And the Cherokee rendition of this 
is a little bit more nuanced in its teachings, and it emphasizes the importance of balance and unity within oneself. According to the other rendition and perspective, the elder teaches that victory doesn't come from suppressing one aspect of our psyche in favor of the other, but by nurturing both. In this version, the chief elaborates. He says, if you feed them both, they both win. If you feed only the white wolf, the black wolf is going to wait in the shadow. He's going to be ready to pounce at the first sign of weakness. And he's going to be perpetually seeking the attention and thus perpetually in conflict. But if we recognize that by caring for both, then we bring peace to both of them. By leveraging their unique strengths, the black wolf's tenacity, courage, strategic insight, and the white wolf's compassion, empathy, and foresight for the greater good. And this is what I call integration. See, an integrated man is the opposite of a nice guy. The interdependence of the white and the black wolf illustrates a really vital principle, because when you neglect one, you cause an imbalance and turmoil. So while caring for both ensures that they're going to contribute positively to something larger than ourselves, a life of integrity. This equilibrium eliminates the internal struggle for supremacy and allows one's inner wisdom to emerge clearly and guides us in the decisions that align with what is right for us, beneficial, and staying in our integrity. The inner conflict leaves us with nothing, but inner harmony brings us everything. Your interactions with these opposing forces will define the trajectory of your life. The goal is not to suppress or starve one aspect but to guide both into a state of balance and cooperation. Like I said, the story's origins and the interpretations might vary. I prefer the latter version because it speaks to the essential truth that we want to advocate for a balanced approach to our internal conflicts as well as our external conflicts. And by teaching a lesson of peace, unity, and the importance of embracing all parts of ourselves, that's true integration. Now, the first version focuses on repression, and it's the route that most nice guys take because they operate under this core belief that if they will give everyone else the things that they need, love and acceptance, then other people will give them love and acceptance. But because they're ignoring their shadow and they're denying it exists and they're diverting their attention away from it, and because of that, we don't really live with authenticity. Now, as someone who was raised in the church setting, the narrative that I was mostly exposed to was, you might guess, was the first one where the darker wolf impulse is supposed to be suppressed by the virtues of the good side of oneself. And by practicing this approach, it only led me to believe that if I starved my dark wolf, I could somehow diminish its influence. But the more I endeavored to suppress it, the more powerful and rebellious it became. It's through this struggle that I've come to appreciate the concept of integrity as not perfection, but integration. Because a man of true integrity doesn't deny any aspect of himself, but rather he embraces and integrates it into all parts of himself. Again, this perspective, it stands in stark contrast to the conventional wisdom that nice guys often believe, because we operate under the belief that our worthiness of love and acceptance is contingent upon our ability to present an unblemished version of ourselves. So we go to great lengths to suppress and hide the shadow. We pretend that these darker aspects of ourselves don't exist, Instead, we conceal them, and whenever we're afraid that they're going to surface, we just push them back down. Now, this approach is fundamentally flawed because rooted in this belief is that somehow we can outshine the shadow. 
But there's a fatal flaw in this because light and shadow go together. You can't have one without the other. The brighter the light, the darker, the more pronounced the shadow is. We are composite beings. We're full spectrum of our qualities. We're both light and dark. It constitutes the whole self. By acknowledging and embracing this totality is not only an act of integrity, but it's a step towards genuine self-acceptance and personal growth. So in my opinion, a man of integrity embraces his shadow, fully aware of his potential for danger, capable of extreme actions in dire circumstances. For example, let's say someone's trying to break into your house and they're threatening your family. You're going to want that darker aspect of yourself. You're going to want the dark wolf to come out. I remember in the early days of my personal journey, I'm sitting across from my therapist, diving into some serious shadow work. And what was the big shadow lurking behind my facade? My anger. And it caught me off guard when my therapist pointed out, he said, you are so full of rage. And I was surprised because after all, I was like a nice guy. I was the opposite of anger. I'm completely pleasant and agreeable. And I thought that my anger was invisible to someone else, but I was shocked that he could see it. But instead of defending, I took a moment, I thought about it, I dove deeply within myself and I visualized the anger that he was talking about. I said, there is this white hot rage inside of me and I am petrified. I am scared to even acknowledge it, let alone express it because I know the irreversible damage it could do if I let it out. And it was a turning point for me. It was the first time I truly had the guts to confront and define and recognize the impact of years and years of repression. It had only driven my anger deeper and deeper into my psyche. How did it manifest? Passive aggressive behaviors, porn, alcohol, sarcasm. These were flawed attempts to let off some of the steam from the pressure that was cooking by suppressing the rage. A quick word of warning if you're going to be doing some shadow work, there's a real temptation to swing from one extreme to the other, especially as nice guys. We're kind of all or nothing thinkers, right? So it's tempting to just let loose the anger full throttle and start expressing boundaries with nuclear options. But going nuclear really isn't dealing with our shadow, and that's not what it's all about. The goal isn't to banish the shadow, nor is it to shove it deeper. And it's also not about letting it come out and damaging innocent people. It's about getting to know it, making peace with it, figuring out how to channel it for your greater good. See, the thing is, the light and the shadow aren't two separate entities. They are both sides of the same coin. When we treat our shadow as it's totally alien or different from us and start disliking those bits of ourselves that we can't accept, then what happens is we're not able to integrate the shadow into ourselves. So where do you start? How do you start integrating the shadow? And I think it's really smart if you're going to do this kind of work that you do it with somebody who's been down the road, someone who's faced their own shadow, who can guide you through it. Now, this might be a therapist, a coach, or maybe diving into some men's work to get help. If you're interested in some coaching, you can reach out to me at chuckchapman.com and I can help you with this. But the first real step is just acknowledging that it's part of you, that you are both light and dark. And by coming to terms with your capacity for anger and rage and unacceptable behavior, instead of repressing it, learning to love it. When I do this, I've come to terms with the fact that I have capacity for danger. And yet I'm also driven with the desire 
for the greater good. That's where the real work begins. Facing our shadow isn't about fear. It's about conversion, confrontation. Carl Jung once said, to confront a person with his shadow is to show him his own light. Once one has experienced a few times what it is like to stand judgingly between the two opposites, one begins to understand what is meant by the true self. Anyone who perceives his shadow and his light simultaneously sees himself from the two sides, thus getting in the middle. So it's a dance between our darkness and our brightness of these parts of ourselves. So diving into shadow work, well, it's a crucial step in embracing our full integrity. Accepting our shadow means to accept ourselves completely, imperfections at all. But let me be clear, acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It's not about throwing in the towel and saying, well, this is just who I am. I'll never change. Far from it. Acceptance is seeing the raw truth of who we are, recognizing the potential for growth, change and achievement. It's about unconditional love for the parts of ourselves that we pushed away, suppressed, hidden. Thanks again for taking the time to watch this video. And if you liked it, you might want to check out a video I did a little while ago on confrontation is the key to assertiveness because passivity is a big part of the nice guy's shadow. I'll put a link down here and I look forward to seeing you and talking with you next time. You've been listening to the Nice Guy Recovery Podcast with your host, Chuck Chapman. If you're looking to take your nice guy recovery deeper, be sure to check out www.chuckchapman.com to find out how you and I can squash your nice guy behaviors once and for all.